Thank you for the welcome. It's a beautiful thing to be back here at Emmanuel, as usual. This is a place I really love. And I love this place because the, the first time we, for me and my wife, when my one-year-old son came to America to go to seminary and to prepare ourselves for the call God has given us, we, our first arrival was at Emmanuel. And we came to this church. We went to Sunday school classes. We got a beautiful welcome. They didn't know us. It was our first time to encounter your church family. And at that moment, it became like a, our family. And we've been friends since then, now nearly 23 years ago. So many things have changed. I'm grateful to God that I can still see familiar faces and more grateful to God that we can see new faces in this church. Uh, I bring greetings to you from my wife, Florence, and the, the church body in Kigali, New Life Bible Church, and the entire ministry of Africa New Life Ministries. Man, we have been together on this journey together on this journey. I recall so many times we've been together from preaching the gospel to building benches, to medical missions, to building, building fences for the wall of the school, to teaching pastors, to visiting children in their homes, to a men's conference, to Bible school teachers, to feeding the hungry. What a beautiful partnership for nearly 23 years. So I'm back here to celebrate what God has done together with you in Rwanda. You've helped us in amazing ways to rebuild the nation. Uh, God called me at the age of around 27. That was the end of the genocide in Rwanda in 1994. To go preach the gospel in Rwanda, help the poor. At that time, there were so many orphaned children everywhere. And the children were hopeless, no education, no food, no future. And very early in my life, I felt this call towards the children. I wanted the children to be safe. What happens in a war is that children suffer more than adults do in that environment. But they also lose their future. And in the depth of my heart, I didn't want to see any of these children lose their future. Can we do something to make a difference in their lives? Send them to school. Give them an opportunity to play. Give them food. And years would tell the difference that would make. Now, I wasn't well equipped. I was 27. And... God opened up a door for me to come to America to go to seminary. And God trained us here in seminary at Mount Noma University and then later on at Gordon Cornwell. And in 2001, 
we actually returned to Rwanda and started a small ministry with 29 children. Uh, and then he used very little money my wife had, been, had made babysitting children in America. We came back and we told the story. And in a very short time, 29 children were sponsored. Today, it's over 11,000 children sponsored by African New Life Ministries in Rwanda. And more than 11,000 children, a big group of alumni. Now you can go in Rwanda in a hospital and you find a graduate of African New Life. You go to the military and find a graduate of African New Life. You go to police, you go to government, you go to a bank, you go to a church. God has actually honored our dream and our vision to break the cycle of poverty, to disciple children so that they can grow up to break the cycle of poverty in their lives and build their nation. So we celebrate our partnership. We celebrate what God has done between both of us. And today, I want to bring a message that's not very new, but it's a call to persistently unite the gospel with compassionate care. Unite the gospel with compassionate care. It is something you do well at this church. It's something you do globally at this church, from Latin America to Africa to Italy, God bless you because you do it well. But we want to persistently be reminded to unite the gospel with compassionate care. Let's pray. God, we come before you. We come before you because you have a compassionate heart. You love those who are broken and marginalized, but also those who are fallen in their sins without you. And you've called us to be your hands and to be your feet in those spaces. Prayer that read the scriptures, that the scriptures will remind us not to neglect the poor. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I want to read from, uh, from Galatians chapter 2, verse 80. To 10. The Bible says, for, in fact, this is Paul, and Paul writes to the Galatians, and he's talking about to his visit to Jerusalem. Um, and he says, For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. The gospel is going on. Among the Jews, the gospel is going on among the Gentiles on the mission field. James, Cephas, and John, those who esteem, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do all along. Connecting, uniting the gospel with compassionate 
care everywhere we go, everywhere we take the gospel. Missionaries have obeyed this calling very well for ages. Missionaries built our schools. Missionaries built hospitals. Missionaries built churches. Missionaries, some missionaries even built businesses and created employment for the poor in their communities. There are so many social enterprises right now as I speak in developing countries to lift the poor from poverty and give them a beautiful, honorable stand among other people. That is the heart of our heavenly Father. He has a heart of compassion for those who are marginalized among us so that God can give them an opportunity to stand on their feet. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, James is a very interesting character. Uh, he gets in this conference and is talking to Paul and is talking to Peter and Paul is talking about all these great things he has done. James is excited about the work of Paul and how he's reaching out to globally, uh, reaching out to the Asia Minor, the known uh, part of the world at that time. And he puts in an important emphasis, and he says, man, Paul, as you continue to do future missions, that's very important, but we want you to always remember the poor. Don't become too scholarly at to forget the poor. Don't ever become too educated to forget the poor. And James is the same James actually who wrote the book of James. And James is very good at taking care of orphans and widows and giving poor people in the church a good seed so that there is no discrimination within the church between the poor and the rich. Because what the kingdom of God does the kingdom of God elevates humanity. The gospel elevates humanity. The gospel takes away our shame, takes away our embarrassment, takes away things that would dehumanize us. And the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ gives us dignity gives everyone dignity. This is the best place within these four walls for all of us to find our dignity and throw away our shame right here in the presence of our God. But only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was able and eager to do, and Paul continued to do that for centuries. A few things I want to note. Number one, our theology should be relevant in our communities driven by love, 
driven by compassion. That is the heart of our heavenly Father. Unfortunately, as faithy communities, sometimes we have failed to be the kind of witness God has called us to be. In 1994, the church in Rwanda was a backslidden church, completely broken and immersed with the state, to the extent that when the genocide happened, even the church, some churches were involved in the genocide. And after the genocide of 1994 that nearly claimed a million people, we start to preach the gospel. And the people would say, where was God when my brother was killed? Where was God when my sister was killed? Let me tell you, there are some answers that will never satisfy people after they have lost their loved ones. And for us as African New Life, for me and Florence, we felt that the best way to answer these, respond to these questions was not to pull out our best muscles of apologetics of what we had learned from universities in the U.S. But first and foremost, before we pull out our apologetics muscles, to show them the love of our Lord Jesus Christ by physically taking care of the survivors of the genocide, by physically educating them, taking care of the sick, providing shelter all in the name of Jesus Christ. And then we'll tell them we do what we do because we love you. And then we started bringing in all these mission teams to come and show love practically. And at the edge of it, they would also hear the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our hermeneutic must bring together proper interpretation of scriptures, but also a passion for the gospel that doesn't neglect the poor. I call it the new reformation, the new reformation. Because the first reformation was much more about Martin Luther restoring the truth of the book of Romans, salvation by faith alone. And that is important. The gospel is important. Salvation is important only by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is something we may, we will never cease to preach and clearly explain that salvation is a gift of God. But I want to remind us that we are saved by grace to do good works. Saved by grace to do good works. That is what I call the second reformation. The second reformation, which is actually merging all over the whole world within the church, and the church is turning out to become a caring place. We are caring people because we've received the care of our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the gospel that merges the theology of Paul and James in the same movement 
putting faith in practice. I have also called it connecting the two hands of the gospel. The two hands of the gospel. Compassion and evangelism. The gospel and good works at the same time. Engaging the two hands of the gospel to bring in the harvest. Because the harvest is plentiful. And therefore, we want to engage both of our hands to bring in the harvest within the kingdom of God and be a caring people. This models the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, it was a ministry of two hands. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God in two ways. And therefore, Jesus provided a pattern for us how to do ministry in the simplest form. He taught the gospel, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 to 24. Jesus went throughout Galilee. What was he doing? He was teaching. He was teaching in their synagogues. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He was doing exactly what I am doing today. Jesus would be heard throughout the streets, uh, sharing and preaching and inviting people to repentance, to forgiveness of their sins, to understanding that there is a kingdom that's greater than the kingdom of the Romans, greater than any other empire, and that kingdom is coming. And for those who qualify to enter into that kingdom, they needed to repent of their sins and find a personal relationship through him. But at the same time, Jesus demonstrated the heart of the Father, the heart of compassion. In Matthew chapter 4, okay, uh, again we see continuity, uh, healing every disease, sickness among other people. And good news uh, spread all over Syria, and the people are brought to him, all who are ill with various diseases, those suffering from severe pain, demon-possessed, those having seizures, paralyzed, and Jesus Christ healed them, completely set them free. Jesus had an amazing healing ministry, and much of Jesus' ministry actually was about healing. That's why I think, doctors, you have a great ministry, a ministry of healing, healing of the sick. Jesus lived the gospel he preached out. He lived it out. Yes, he planted a church, and that's important. He planted a church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I will build my church. I have good news for you. Jesus is still building his church. And his church is not yet, is not about to fail. It continues to be stronger than ever before. Sometimes the media tends to tell us that the church is falling, but the church is not about to 
to fail, the church is growing faster than ever before. Since we went to Rwanda, we have planted 11 churches and about 80,000 people come to our churches every week. Just this coming year, we have three church plants in line, okay, that are coming up. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And the church of Jesus Christ, I want to declare, is stronger than ever before. We are not giving in the negative narrative that comes from hell. The church of Jesus Christ is powerful, is strong, is growing, is expanding, and is being built. Jesus commanded us to teach the gospel. That's how we build the church, to make disciples. Matthew 28, 30, Jesus teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always up to the end of this age. And I would say, every Christian must be a disciple maker. Every Christian must be a disciple maker. Let me emphasize it. Every Christian must be a disciple maker. You must have a group of people you are discipling. You are teaching the gospel. I have a group of people I am discipling. This Friday, I missed them. Possibly next Friday, I may speak to them on Zoom. Maybe the following Friday, since I am away from home, we all have to be disciple making. But also... The same Jesus promised a blessing to those who care for the needy. So you see, there is the preaching, the discipling, but there is also the caring for the needy united together at the same time. Matthew 25, 34 to 46. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance for the kingdom of God prepared for you since the creation of the world. 35, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. You see? He says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I needed food and you gave me food. I needed water, you gave me a well. You gave me more than a cup. You gave me a well. I love that. I was a stranger, you invited me in your house. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took me to the hospital. I was in prison, you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you stra a stranger and invite you in? Needing clothing and clothe you. When did we see you sick in prison or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. We are his hands and his feet. Jesus himself fed hungry. At one time he fed for thousand. In another situation he fed five Thousand Jesus had his own union mission somewhere downtown feeding the hungry. Jesus healed the sick. I have talked about that in many ways. But also Jesus welcomed the children. 
he welcomed the children. He welcomed the most vulnerable in our society. And Jesus uh, said in Matthew 18, 5, whoever welcomes one such a child in my name welcomes me. It's a beautiful thing to welcome children. Emmanuel welcomed a little girl called Sifa. Sifa had suffered for many, many years in Rwanda. They didn't only welcome Sifa once or twice, welcomed Sifa three times till Sifa was adopted because her medical condition was so severe that she would not survive without her doctors here. Jesus welcomed children. He said, let the little ones come unto me. I want to make this very practical. Actually, everyone should welcome children in his home. Everyone who is healthy should welcome children in his home. Today, you can welcome children in your home by sponsoring a child. I have not ceased to welcome children in my own life and family. Of recent, I was in Huye near Nyamagabe when you were where you were doing where you were doing the mission last summer. And wow, the poverty out there of children is terrifying. I was walking into this community. And in the community, little kid comes out, this short. I mean, the kid, the, ha the hands, the feet are not just dirty, but it's, uh, wow, they are stained, terribly stained. This kid hasn't had, possibly has not had a bath forever. Clothes so broken. It should not happen in the 21st century. It should not happen anywhere. And I asked the kid, why don't you go to school like other kids? And the kid told me that she, he doesn't have books, he doesn't have clothes, he doesn't have money, he doesn't have anything. Then I asked the kid, where is your family? The kid has a mother. So the mother walked out of the family, in the, out of the garden, out of the valley. And she came to me and I started interviewing this little kid and the mother. My heart was so broken, there's nothing I could do but only sponsor this boy and ask our social workers to send him to school, buy him new clothes, buy him books, change his life Take his shame away. I'm waiting to visit this boy again and see how he's looking. Now, I thought that was, not, that was enough. I walked to our new church plant and I find another woman. This woman has seven children. Her husband was killed in April. She has no job. She has no education. She has no help. And she's looking for help from the church because she had at this church they help children. Man, I could not survive this. Again, I said, you know, we're going to sponsor. I'm going to sponsor another kid. Sponsored another kid. Same day, two children. And then when I got home, I remembered maybe I may not have all this money monthly to send to the kid. And I said, you know, 
Even when I don't get the money, I know I have my kids are going to school in the U.S. Sarah has a job on campus. Jonathan has a scholarship. Isaac has a job. I'm going to ask the entire family to contribute $79 a month for, for, for these two kids. Because five of us, three of us, as a family, we can. Jesus welcomed the children in his family. Today, I want to encourage you to go out there and welcome all those children into your homes. Let us give children a place of, of dignity. That's really my deal. Give them an opportunity to dream again and become the kind of person God has called them to be. The ministry of the gospel, according to Jesus, is all about teaching and acting compassionately. It's all about making disciples and the great commandment. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for you have given us the opportunity to make disciples, to preach the gospel, but also to act compassionately. We pray that you continue to bless this beautiful church and people that have been so much involved in Rwanda to help us out there. Spread the good news. Touch the lives of children. May the blessing of our Lord Jesus Christ and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and every good gift he bestows upon his people bestow it upon Emmanuel. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, for a parting word from Pastor Jesse Johnson. Thanks for joining us. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area, I would love to see you at Emmanuel Bible Church. For more information on our church or our current service times, go to ibc.church. For more information about the Master Seminary and their Washington, D.C. location, go to tms.edu. I hope this resource has been a blessing to you and it helps you seek the Lord daily, serve others around you, and share the gospel with boldness.